This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team. Odyssey Sports presents Big Time Baseball with former Major Leaguer Tony Gwynn Jr. and Odyssey Insider Cody Decker. Welcome, everybody, to another week of Big Time Baseball, Odyssey Sports Original. I'm Cody Decker, former professional baseball player turned professional smartass on the radio. And with me, as always, the one, <laughs> the only, Tony Gwynn Jr. How you doing, Tony? I'm well, Cody. Your introductions are always special, man. Thanks for, oh, this. Thanks for doing this with me once again this week. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I we had John Heyman last week, obviously. I missed you last week. And it, not that I don't love John Heyman, but it's never the same when I don't have you to speak to because there's just a different energy with you and me, baby. There, there's definitely a different energy. Sorry I couldn't be here last week. Last week was super hectic with the opening, the official opening day in San Diego and all the craziness that came with it. Uh, but we're back this week, and we got a good show for you guys today. Yes, we do. But on that note, congratulations everything you're doing over there in San Diego with Bally Sports, man. You've been crushing it doing these Thank Padre you. games. You've been making my, you've been honestly making my Padre baseball watching experience that much better, and I, I can't commend you enough. I certainly appreciate the kind words. That is kind of my objective. I just wanted it to be a good listen. Everybody sit back, have a cold one while you're watch the Padres or listen to the Padres uh, get a victory. So I'm glad, it's, well, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that from a, especially from a former player. That, that means a lot, brother. Oh, no problem, baby. Well, let's get into it because this week in baseball has been hectic. Some would say amazing. Others would say a disaster. I would say both. Uh, we finally happened guys. It finally took place and I couldn't be more excited for multiple reasons, both excited and scared. But yesterday, Hector Santiago pitcher for the Seattle Mariners becomes the very first pitcher in Major League Baseball to be ejected for use of a legal substance since the league in, uh, initiated their new rules. And yeah. what can you say other than what do you think, Tony? Because as I watched it happen, and I was watching it live and I was losing my mind because the look on Santiago's face was kind of in between. He looked like confused, but also had a little bit of glare of, ah, uh, they got me. 
<laughs> yeah, you know what? I didn't watch it live, but I kind of got the same feel. It was like he was in between. So there's a couple things on this. Um, supposedly, they found sticky substance on the palm of his glove. That was one mm-hmm. of the areas that was mentioned. Yes. Um, after the game, Hector said that it was he had only used rosin and sweat, which we know can after a while will be pretty sticky. Now, here's my thing is a couple things. I hope he's telling the truth. Um, and I honestly hope that we continue to get suspensions along these lines where uh, it's just rosin when they, because apparently they took the glove, they stuck it in like a little white bag. So, you know, it's going to some lab somewhere. They're going to test it, right? Yes. I hope it comes back rosin and sweat because if it does, and Major League Baseball continues to suspend guys for stuff that's actually legal, that means the onus is going to continue to be on Major League Baseball to find a solution for the ball. Because the one thing we can all agree on, and, and, and I think we've learned through these new rules coming out, is that everybody thinks the ball is inconsistent. And so yes. Major League Baseball has got to figure out a way uh, to get the job done. Now, in terms of Hector Santiago, listen, I'm all I think nobody in baseball who has ever played has ever felt like rosin, sunscreen, pine tar, sweat has given you an advantage. Right. And so nobody's really tripping off of those substances in particular. However, if, in fact, rosin and sweat is all that you have, why is there a need to have it on the palm of your glove? At this point, you got plenty of sweat on your arm. And if the rosin is making it that sticky, you know, you don't need it in your glove. Just keep powdering it your hand, powdering your forearm. And all of a sudden, you got the stick that you need. The mere fact that it's in the glove, I think, is going to put you in jeopardy. Um, yeah. Go ahead. No, no. Yes, I agree. In fact, I do have his direct quote. And here's actually his reasoning for it being on the glove that he put in a quote yesterday. And I quote. He said he felt some sticky stuff on the inside of the glove. All I used was rosin. I used it both sides, trying to keep the sweat from dripping down to the hands. Now, ah, that is the glove. That, yeah, so that is a reasonable explanation. That being Absolutely. said, this is the thing that scares me. And hear me out on this. And this is not me saying that Major League Baseball is a is a shady operation, a la like Cobra from GI Joe. I'm just saying <laughs> that if Major League Baseball which we can all agree, this has not been the best look, especially for the last week and a half. Literally watching players go through a a search, some of the guys actually strip-searching themselves on national TV, making a borderline mockery out of this entire thing. Now, I don't think it's a good look for Major League Baseball just to begin with that players are walking off the field and getting searched. I think that really makes... It's just a real negative connotation to the players that have to be searched on their way out. It's like sending a message to fans, yeah, they're all cheaters, look at this. I just think it's a bad look now you got your first suspension whether or not it's real or not because if it comes back that he's exonerated how bad of a look will it be for major league baseball that their first one that comes out turns out to be completely false would major league baseball even admit that they were wrong uh no i don't know if they ever (laughs) admit that they're wrong that's Um, what scares me about this whole thing here's the thing i i think there it's gonna be ugly no matter how you slice it, there's no way to get around it at this point. So whatever the look is that they are giving off in terms of guys being checked, I think people will eventually be conditioned to 
watching the 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 inspection and seeing it clear and knowing what that looks like in their head when a guy hasn't done anything. I think when you do it every day, it becomes a habit and people will kind of that negative connotation that may have been taking place over the first week, uh, uh, first week of the implementation of this, I think will gradually go away. But if you are on the other side of that, where Hedge Santiago is, that will be the visual that most fans have is you see the umpires, you see them grouped together, you see them eject them. At that point, I think people are smart enough to distinguish between the two. Is it the best look? No, but I don't think that that bad taste will be consistent over time because this is going to be the new norm. And it's just, and listen, you are, I already knew, and Cody, you probably knew too. The players that were irritated with it were going to make a mockery of it. It just, it was too good to be true the first day that everybody was so like cordial and took their gloves off and let the umpire do their thing. It only took till day two where you had the Scherzer incident and then you had, uh, I, I believe it was Romo, Sergio Romo, basically, mm -hmm. as you said, strip searching himself just to prove a point. I think a lot of that will go away. You know, baseball players, we have a hard time with change. That's just the way it is. And I think eventually this will, this will go away. But I, I, I wonder, part of me thinks that having them eject Hector Santiago and if it comes back that he actually is telling the truth, I think that puts more pressure on Major League Baseball, which is, is what I think needs to happen. Because ultimately, there needs to be a solution so that all the balls are uniform. You don't have one that's just drowned in Mississippi mud, another one that has a little dab of it. Mm -hmm. Everything should be the same. And if you have to add some tack to the ball like they do overseas in Japan or, or, or Korea, then you do so. It's not a hard change to make, but I think it had to be done. It's almost like ripping the Band-Aid off. It, it's it's going to be ugly first, but I think eventually this all levels out. Yeah, and in fact, you bring up the ball in Japan quite a bit, and you're absolutely right. In fact, there was a tweet last week that you Darvish actually put out showing that he brought a tackier ball from Japan over so guys can take a look, and he said all the guys really dug it. And I don't yeah. know why Major League Baseball simply can't right. get the baseball right. That is fascinating to me that they own Rawlings. Rawlings makes the balls, and they simply cannot come with two baseballs that are identical. That just makes no sense to me. I feel like if you give me five hours, I can make two identical baseballs. It, it seems crazy. it always seems simple. It, it always is a simple answer to all you got to do. Reach out to you, Darvish. Take the ball that he has. Find out what the tack is. I don't know. And then maybe take the baseballs that you're making and uh, drop this tack on it. I don't know. It seems like a crazy idea, but it seems like it would work, right? It it's insane to me because we have more technology on the baseball field than we'll ever know what to do with. Radar everywhere. We have the most advanced metrics of any two sports combined, but we can't figure out how to make a baseball tacky. It is amazing to me. But here's a question. More on the baseball tackiness and the, using the sticky stuff. If you're a pitcher in the major leagues right now who has used this his entire career, do you still risk it? Do you find a new hiding space? Do you do you still risk it and go out on the mound even though you're going to be searched? Do you still use your tacky stuff? And if you're if I'm Garrett Cole, the answer is yes. Come on, come on, Cody. You you played this game almost as long as I have. You know damn well there's somebody right now already coming up with a defense <laughs> for being caught doing trying to do this stuff. There's no oh, yeah. doubt that guys are going to try it. I mean that is just I don't know what it is about baseball. But if you just go through the history of it, we've got more guys 
either walking right up to the line of cheating or completely demolishing the line of cheating mm -hmm. throughout the course of baseball history. So, and, and if you ask me, this is on the, the more lighter side. So I absolutely think there are guys that are like, there's no way I can pitch without it. I will find a way to, to, to listen. I talked to somebody that told me that there are teams out there that have guys on their payroll that can make the sticky stuff match the color of your skin. So if they already Ooh. had that before uh, Major League Baseball got going with this rule, uh, I would willing to say that, yes, I, I think somebody will eventually try. And listen, I, I don't know if the information I was told is true or not, but I certainly I certainly believe it. <laughs> There's no doubt. It Based on how everything goes in this game, there's it's not out of the realm of possibility. We just talked about all the technology that's out there and the ridiculous things that Major League Baseball is capable of doing, except for making a functional baseball. Uh, <laughs> but somehow, I, there's no way that this hasn't been created. Of course, there's got to be a type of sicky substance that completely blends into your skin. It, it, it's yeah. got to be out there. There's no question. Yeah. And, and if again, I brought up Garrett Cole, and there's a reason I did it. The Yankees have been swept again by Boston. Garrett Cole not having a good day. Gives up another six runs. Not exactly something you want out of your $325 million superstar starter in New York. What do you think? If, and I think the first person that should be figuring out how to get this done is Garrett Cole. Well, I, I know for the Yankees' sake, that's what they're hoping he figures it out. Listen, he is, uh, he's in a tough spot, right? Because... Unfortunately, because of his one bad day in front of the media, he's pretty much going to be the poster boy of this if he can't turn it around, right? For like, better or worse, too. It's the worst or, part. Yeah, that's the part. That's the bad part, right? If if he can't figure it out, immediately people are going to assume that that was why he had the success that he had. Whether that's fair or unfair, I'll leave that up to you guys. But uh, they're certainly real. It's just like soon as... The work, whatever work they did, the previous three series where they played some good baseball, pretty much all went down the toilet when you get swept by the Red Sox in the fashion in which they got swept by the Red Sox. And Decisively. No, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't even there were there weren't even games. And I think uh, Aaron Boone said it best. The Yankees have been the model of inconsistency all season long. Um, and, and, and that is something when you have that type of payroll, you have that type of talent. It shouldn't. It won't be tolerated very long. And all of a sudden, you look up at the top of that division. It's no longer the Rays. All of a sudden, the Red Sox are right back at the top. And I'm putting them in the same quarter category as the Giants at this point. Mm -hmm. And you can attest to this, Cody. When you've played this many games, we're almost at the halfway point today. I th tomorrow will be the Padres' 81st game. Um, these cats, once you start to win as many games as they've won there's a belief that kind of settles in in that locker room. So regardless of the talent that may be compared to the rest of the division, they believe in that locker room that they belong where they are, where they're at where they belong. So, and once a team gets to believing like that, it's, they become really difficult to just kind of throw away. I think Boston's for real, just like I think the Giants are for real in the National League way. 
it's amazing because we were punting on Boston at the beginning. Of the, it's not yeah, just we not, were. not just not, not just us. It was everybody. Yeah. We all thought, oh, Boston, what a disaster. How could they do this to themselves? And it yeah, was the same thing we said about the Cubs, yet the Cubs are still hanging around the, the top of the NL Central. But the Red Sox, you're not lying. They're real. And I don't know how they're real. This was a team that yeah. was supposed to be at the cellar. And what did they do? They made the New York Yankees this last week and looked like the Pittsburgh Pirates. It was awesome. This team is just – they're scrappy. We got a comeback year from Hunter Renfro, putting up some great numbers, really doing a phenomenal job over there. The arms have stepped up this year. I was not expecting this in Boston at all, and it's really, yeah. really great to see, but it just puts another extra highlighter on the Bronx. What is it going to take for something to change? Because, you know, I hate it when people always say, oh, if George Steinbrenner was alive, this wouldn't be happening. Knock I can't believe off. I'm – I'm that guy right now, though. If George Steinbrenner was alive, everyone would be fired. Oh, I mean, well, what wouldn't be happening, what what still would be happening is they would still be inconsistent. But what would change is that a bunch of people would have been either moved or lost their jobs by now. So you're right in terms of you're right in terms of Steinbrenner and things would be different. Yeah, he'd be he'd be uh, chopping people's heads off here very soon uh, if, if they can't get it turned around. But you're absolutely right. We we punted on the Red Sox. Uh, we listen. I was still weary even a month ago. It, 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 you know, I was like, ah, I'm not sure yet. But I, I think at this point, and don't look now. All of a sudden, Chris Sale is starting to throw bullpens. He's throwing live Uh-oh. BP off the mound. They that's basically like adding a big time trade at the deadline. If you get this guy back by the time uh, the games start to really matter, and that's only going to give them more confidence. So yeah, the Red Sox are for real. They're not going anywhere. Just like the Rays are for real. That division. Uh, if the Yankees don't pick it up, by the way, Toronto's also in that division. They're trying, yes, they're, they they're treading water. So it's not as though the Yankees are just going to have to jump one, maybe two teams. They're going to have to jump three in all yes. likelihood in order to get back to the top of that division. And it's not like these are slouch teams. You just mentioned the Blue Jays, a team that sneakily has been winning a lot of games. We were very excited about the Blue Jays at the beginning of the season. And I think once the season hit, I think everybody just kind of forgot about them. I think a combination of the fact that they're, you know, they're the Blue Jays for one. And they're in (laughs) Buffalo. They're in Florida. We don't know where the hell they are. So we just... And the only reason I remember they exist is because they got a triple crown potential winner on the team. Like that, yeah. this team is also young and ridiculous. And I, I, it's really weird to look at the AL East and the Yankees aren't even a subject right now. That's that's the thing that's crazy about it to me. The only subject we talk about on the Yankees is how underwhelming they are because that right now, to me, as of this moment in the season, they are the biggest disappointment in Major League Baseball. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. I, I, you can maybe have an argument for the Atlanta Braves in there because they've been pretty pretty disappointing as well. I think most people mm-hmm. had them winning the National League East, but in terms of the American League, there is there is not a team that has been more disappointing than the Yankees. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see what what, what Cashman does here because uh, you got some big salaries there. Do you, do you really want to add more? Do you want to bring in a guy? No story's going to be a hot commodity come. Uh, come trade deadline, which is a a day earlier than it normally is this year. And he's starting to warm up a little bit. So we'll see what the Yankees do. But right now, you're right. They are underwhelming. And you have to weigh the fact that if you make a move, is it going to be enough to jump those other three teams, right? Because you don't want to make a move just to make one and then it it fizzle out and not work. So it's going to, I think all eyes will be on them come deadline because they're the team that probably needs the most help. 
Yeah, uh, and uh, but do they do it? That's the real question. I, I see a lot of teams out there, and by the way, the trade market right now is not going to look as lively as I thought it was going to because at one point, the Nationals were looking like a team that had no choice but to sell. They had they had all these pieces, but they were going to be in last place in the East. That, now they're above 500 and looks like they yeah. have as much of a shot to win in that division as anybody. So Scherzer ain't going anywhere. Schwarber, who would have been a massive target, he ain't going anywhere. That team is going to try and win as they should because the NL East is very much up for grabs as well, especially with everybody hurt throughout the entire league. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. I I'm, I find it very, very fascinating. I, find, I think... There are no clear division winners in baseball to me right now. Then that's None. what's amazing. None. None. And that's what that's what's going to make the the close out to the season so much fun is because there isn't a, just a runaway division winner. Uh you bring up the Nationals. Listen, Mike Rizzo was stubborn the year they went won the World Series. They were one of the mm-hmm. worst teams. He could have sold in, he did not sell. So don't expect them to sell only 4 games out of first place and second place in the National League East. Scherzer's going to be there. They're probably hoping they can get a Strasburg back and get him back healthy because that'll certainly help. They've all of a sudden started to play a little bit better baseball. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, the, the, the Nationals are another team that's going to be intriguing to see what happens because, as you mentioned, a lot of people peg them as being sellers. There's going to be a lot of buyers, but there may not be enough sellers, which is only going to drive the price tag up on the teams that are actually got pieces they can move. Big time. So much so that as bad as it's been for those fans in Phoenix, they actually are primed in a position that they could feasibly move a ton of guys and get a massive return. You know, a couple of names that have been brought up quite a bit. Escobar has been linked with the White Sox quite a bit. Even Kettle Marte's name's been out there a little bit, even though he just went down with a hamstring injury. That hurts. But he's got a friendly contract. They got a lot of young, dynamic players that could be great trade targets. But I don't know. Do they punt? Do they think they can compete next year? For some reason, they seem to think they can. But looking at that NL West, that's the only division that I don't think they can compete in, at least for the next two, three years. Yeah, I I think they're, they're... They're delusional if they think they can compete next year with the Yankees, excuse me, the Padres, the Dodgers. And by the way, the Giants will have a bunch of free agency room to bring in whoever they want to. So that division at the top is only going to get better, uh, in my opinion. So I think that's a delusional move to try to hang on to. There was thought that uh, that Escobar was out as of yesterday because he wasn't in the starting lineup. There was a big rumor going around that he was headed out. That turned out not to be the case. You mentioned Marte. His first day back off the IL was, I think, yesterday or two days ago. He leads off what should have been a double as he's rounding first. That hamstring grabs him. He has to exit the game. So, listen, they're going to try to get him healthy, I assume, so that they can move him because you're right. The Diamondbacks, when you look at their roster and the pieces they have, we didn't even mention David Peralta, who oh, yeah. is a good piece to, to move as well. They have a lot of guys that a lot of teams want. And because there's going to be so many buyers, they can run the price way up and get what they're looking for. Because I don't think as of right now, based on what we're seeing, there's not going to be a, a robust sell market. So uh, it's going to be whoever gets the best deal, whoever has the best deal to offer is likely going to come away with some good players. Yeah. And uh, this trade market, again, Major League Baseball. Remember the last time 
I really can't remember a last time, to be honest with you, that there was this much parity throughout the league. Look at look at the NL Central. Look at what the Brewers are doing. The Brewers yeah. are currently in first place. They finally just uh, uh, took the lead over the Chicago Cubs. Another team, by the way, we punted on at the beginning of the season. Uh, and th- th- right now they're about to play a huge series against Milwaukee. So that's going to be a, my, all my eyes are on that series this week because that could completely change the dynamic of where baseball goes in the next trade deadline. I'm very fascinated to see what happens in Milwaukee because this is a team, by the way, we talk about the Yankees being the bastion of inconsistency. I feel like the entire NL Central is the absolute definition of inconsistency. Just playing 500 ball and everybody is in first place. <laughs> I think I think the NL Central of all the team of all the divisions though is right where I think most of us thought they would be. Right, nobody's going to really pull away. It'd be a kind of a, a revolving door of Cardinals, Brewers, Cubs. I think earlier in the season we didn't think the Cubs would do it just because of their actions. Right, they moved mm-hmm. Darvish. It, they were set showing us everything possible that says, "Hey, you know, we're not necessarily interested in winning this season," but. They still have really good players on that roster. And so mm-hmm. they've been in the thick of things. Milwaukee all of a sudden got a four-game lead in that in that central. And I've liked Milwaukee the entire time. I just think their starting pitching has been terrific. Now all of a sudden they're starting to hit. Yellich is starting to get a little bit more healthy. And if he can re- continue to make that climb and get back to his MVP form, he's good enough to carry the offensive load on that team. So – uh, I, I still like the Brewers. I think they got a chance to win this division. I, I picked them to win this division. Uh, we'll see how it shakes out. They'll also be one of those teams in, in the buyer's market come yep. deadline. Every Everybody's going to be looking for bullpen arms. I think in terms of the Padres, they'll be looking for some type of bat that they can add to the lineup or maybe uh, add some punch to the bench. There's, there's going to be a lot of buyers out there. And as I said, I don't know that there's going to be enough sellers, but the central certainly won't be in, in the selling category, maybe with the exception of the pirates, everybody else in that division is smack dab in the, in it to win it. At this yeah. Point. One team we haven't even mentioned is the reds. The reds yeah, have been yeah. sneakily climbing back up those, uh, you know, everything that Nick Cassianos has been doing. That is a team that could honestly, I can't believe I'm saying this, eventually come away with that division just because yep. that division is so busy beating up on itself. Listen, I'm a, I am I have become a, I've always loved Nick Cassiano's swing and love to see him swing the bat, but I love me some Jesse Winker, man. This dude is polling oh, the, out there right now. And you got two of the best hitters in the National League, although they ran into a buzzsaw. They came here to San Diego when, when it was open to full capacity and they were just overwhelmed by the energy that came from, from, sold out crowds every single night they lost four straight here but prior to that they've been playing some pretty good baseball and uh i i think that just speaks to the 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 how that national league central is constantly a revolving door this reds will win five of six they'll lose four straight the same thing could be said for the Cubs, the Brewers, uh, and the Cardinals. Cardinals are, are reeling right now. They've lost yeah. Jack Flaherty, and it seems like since he went down with that oblique, nothing good has come of any baseball game they've played so far. I, 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 I'm not going to say it yet, but you know, obviously they were my pick to win the Central, and I thought they were going to win the Central handedly. Yeah. I, yeah. I looked yeah. through that division. I'm like, that is not an impressive division right now. The Cardinals just always figure out how to win. And once Flaherty went down, you were right. That team is a different team. If they don't get Flaherty back, at least to some form of Jack Flaherty, 
th- that team is done. And I can't yeah. believe I'm saying that. That's a team that should never be done. It's a, one of those teams in baseball, you know, Yankees, Dodgers, Cubs, and Cardinals. Those are like teams that just always need to be in the mix. Yeah, and listen. So it's odd because, to see them not. Because I've been in, I played in that division, um, I won't completely rule them out. I've seen them walk down teams in the second half and do some amazing stuff. But they need their dogs in the lineup. They need their pitching rotation to be intact. Uh, they got a lot of ha- they got to have a lot go right for them in order to be able to to make the run that is going to be needed and to catch everybody in that division. Yeah. Well, also on top of that, we're talking about all these teams that are really battling it out for the first half. But just real interesting question for you. Yeah. Right now, not going in the future. Who is, in your opinion, Tony Gwynn Jr., the yeah. best team in baseball right now? I think it's the Houston Astros. I, it is, they're, 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 I I really do. I really do, man. Like their offense has been legit all season long, and that's to be expected when you have the likes of uh, of Bregman and, and 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 Alvarez and Correa and Brantley. I mean, they have a legitimate lineup. But don't look now. All of a sudden, that pitch starting rotation is is looking pretty good, and that's with Lance McCullers still kind of on a pitch count. Uh, they've gotten some great starting pitching, and because the starting pitching had been so good, it's taken a little bit of load off of that bullpen. Um, mm-hmm. they're, they're about to get Pedro Baez back, or they just got Pedro Baez back. They have somebody who can get the ball to Presley to close out games. I like where they are right now. Now, are they the best team in baseball in the long run? That remains to be seen. I'm not sure that the pitching can maintain what it's done over the last few weeks, but right now, and by the way, Bregman is not even playing. He's out for another three to four weeks with the quad injury, but their offense is still a juggernaut. And I know people love to hate the Astros. And, and listen, I was all in on the, the the cheating scandal, but you can't. You, you got to give credit where credit's due. This team is good. Dusty, they seem to enjoy playing for Dusty. And, it, and he's kind of been probably a breath of fresh air when you consider all the things they've gone through in the last couple of years um, in terms of being a steady voice in that clubhouse. But this team is right now, to me, is the best team in baseball. Yeah, I, I, you're not far off on that. My God, that's a great explanation. You, It's amazing. This team has been killing teams, absolutely decimating teams. And yeah. yes, you're probably right. They probably are the best team in baseball. But because, but you just mentioned that it's a lot of fun to hate the Astros. And I agree. And I hate the Astros so much <laughs> that I refuse to give them this honor today. Fair enough. Fair enough. Even though you might be 100% right. And I'm going to choose a different team. I'm going to choose... The San Diego Padres. And here's why. I think the Dodgers are resting on their laurels right now, man. They came down to San Diego with no energy, nothing, and they got what they deserved. They got they got their asses kicked. They didn't get swept. They got their asses kicked. And it was awesome to watch. It was one of the first times I've ever watched a Dodger-Padres series in San Diego, and it was not a home field advantage for the Dodgers. This is a different right? team. This is a... This is a different franchise. I am so on board. This team, if they go ahead and they add another arm in that bullpen, they get another bat. This team might be unbeatable. And I can't believe I'm saying that. I want the Padres to win the series this year, baby. Let's go. Hey, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you because that means I get to do some of these playoff games and World Series games. And I'm all I'm here for it. I could tell you that. I, I just want to speak on this because you brought it up. You are a thousand percent right in my lifetime. I've 
I've been to a lot of Padre games in my lifetime, right? I have never, with the exception of 1998, attended a Padre Dodger series where it wasn't, it may not be 50-50, but it was close, right? Where in terms of the stands and the fans in there, right? It sounded like Los Angeles South, almost. And and like, this is the first time that I can remember where they were, the, the few Dodger fans that were there were dominated. Like, the Padre fans took over that place as they should. It is their home city, right? It is their home stadium. But you couldn't hear Dodger cheers. You couldn't hear none of that. And it, it was amazing to me because for as many of these games as I've gone to, I've never seen that before other than the year the Padres went to the World Series. That year, the Dodgers weren't a good team. So I, in all likeliness, Dodger fans weren't coming down to San Diego to watch them. But they they damn sure were coming down for this series, and they got absolutely drowned out. It was so nice to see. It was so nice to watch the Padres put it on them. Um, and then they, you know, that was that was right after they took – four from the Cincinnati Reds. So they got rolling in this homestand. And I just think with the Padres, it boils down to a couple of things, right? Will their arms be able to sustain, right? Denelson Lamette goes down mm-hmm. uh, a couple of days ago, kind of waiting to hear how serious or not serious that injury is. He's on the 10 day IL. Um, you, you still waiting this hope. You're hoping that Blake Snell can continue the streak he's been on at least this last start where he went up a really good team good really good Dodgers team and shut him down for five innings right mm-hmm. if you can get the starting pitching to do what I think everybody expected to do Joe Musgrove has been terrific all season long you Darvish terrific all season long Paddock is starting to get his his act together as well so you start getting those pieces together I think you 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 you're lining up to have those playoff games and possibly a World Series like you talked about you know, one name that's constantly being mentioned throughout social media and throughout baseball is Joey Gallo. And we've been talking a lot about the trade market coming up, and we've talked about the Padres, talking about adding a bat, talking about the Padres adding an arm. And here's the question. The name that's constantly linked to San Diego is Joey Gallo. Yeah. As much as I like Joey Gallo and I'd love to see him on the Padres, I don't quite understand Joey Gallo to San Diego. And the reason is, is because he just doesn't have the versatility to go play other positions. You can maybe stick him in left field, but, you know, you're really not you're not helping your defensive metrics by putting him out there. He's really just a first baseman DH and you're paying Eric Hosmer a lot of money. You're going to really play Joey Gallo over the money that you're paying Eric Hosmer. This has been a team that's been self-described, even though it's not a small market team, kind of self-described in how they've uh, acted over the past 30 years as a small market team, even though now they're starting to spend a little money. Can you see the Padres bringing in Joey Gallo and sitting Eric Hosmer? Listen, I, I, I could see them bringing in Joey Gallo, but I don't think it's for Eric Hosmer. I think they it's a it could be a platoon situation in right field where you have uh him against the righties, you have Myers against the lefties. Uh Gallo is probably an upgrade defensively. He's a gold glover. So I, I'll give him that over Will Myers in right. But it, it's not like a, a a a perfect fit. You know what I'm saying? So I I, I yeah. understand what you're ta- what you're saying in terms of bringing him on. I think ultimately the Padres, if their lineup can sustain what they've been doing la- this last couple of weeks, I say the last week because mm-hmm. they really they really haven't been the 2020 version offensively all year long until this past week against the Reds, the Dodgers, and the Diamondbacks. First time we've seen them put up runs in, a, in abundance the way they have over the last week. If they can continue to do that, Gallo makes some sense in terms of 
you know, if he's in the starting lineup, you got a big bat in there. You can have Will mm-hmm. come off the bench, makes your bench stronger, or vice versa. Myers is in the lineup. Gallo comes off the bench. You got some sock. But, you know, in some ways, I'm not sure if that's because Gallo would have to come in with the mindset and understanding that, you know, it's not going to be on everyday type of situation unless he gets hot. Right. So mm-hmm. I, in some ways, you, you, you're a little hesitant because you don't want to you don't want to mess up a good thing that you got going in that clubhouse. Not to say that Gallo is a bad clubhouse guy or anything like that, but just bringing in different personalities, as you know, Cody, it can change the dynamic of your locker room. Yeah, sometimes for better and oftentimes for worse. It is absolutely true. You have a team like that that is gelling the way they are, winning right now the way they are. You bring in a bat like that. And again, you just mentioned something that actually I think is really important. And that's the fact that this is an everyday playing guy. You bring him in over to the Padres, you put him in a platoon situation. I don't think a lot of fans are aware just how difficult it is to go from an everyday player to a platoon player or bench player. It is not only just a difficult job to do if you've never done it, it's a hell of a hit to your ego if it's something you've never done. And that's and that's what I'm that's what I'm alluding to is that if 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 they make a move like that. Because it's not most guys that I've ever been in in a in a locker room with that have come from being a a starter to uh, being a bench guy. It almost takes a full season to kind of or an off season to kind of wrap your mind around it if you're one of those guys. And I don't know unless he's just the type of type of individual that says, you know what, I'm willing to do anything for the team. Step in. Joey Gallo's relatively young. I don't know that he's yep. in that in that place mindset wise. He could be. I could be completely wrong, but I just think it's a little bit of a risk unless you get some assurances from him. Listen, I'm I'm able to do it. I can come in. I want to help this team. I think it's a little bit of a risk. It it definitely is. Yeah, I I completely agree. Like just for full context, like I was a guy that was always I was an everyday player my whole career until I got to the big leagues. And then they told me they need me to pinch hit, which was something I've never done before. Ego wise, it wasn't a problem. Playing wise, it was a big problem because I had no idea what I was doing. I had never pinch hit before. I'm coming off cold after, you know, a week of not playing and I'm facing, you know, I'm facing a guy, uh, you know, Kenley Jansen in his prime with the Dodgers. And that's a difficult job to do cold if you haven't trained to do it. So being that platoon guy is the same thing. I learned how to do it later, but quite frankly, it was too little too late. My one opportunity was then. So it's just a tricky thing to ask a player who's never done that before. Uh, I was in the the same exact boat as you. Uh, I I, I can relate 100%, Cody, to the fact that you know, in the minor leagues, you're every day. You played every day. You were, it wasn't a day you weren't even when you didn't want to play. You were in the lineup, right? But mm-hmm. yeah. on days, on days when you get to the big league level, it wasn't until I was my first year in LA that I had finally got my mind wrapped around what it what it took to be a good pinch hit at bat, night in and night out. And I was able to kind of to kind of ride with that for a little bit. But I also don't don't have the type of ego that was bruised when I was told, hey, you know, this is what your role is going to be. Was I was I happy with it? Absolutely not. But I could accept it because I was trying to do anything I could to help the team. And not everybody is built that way. There are some guys, there are a lot of guys, honestly, in this league that they feel like they should be starters and they will accept nothing less until they absolutely have to. And for a guy like Gallo, I don't think he's in that spot yet. Yeah, he's too young. And quite yeah. frankly, the guy's put up too many huge numbers. Right. I mean, I mean, hell, I, I, I'm I'm 34 now. Gallo has got to be 
three, four years younger than me. He was drafted, must must have been four years after me, and I was 22 when I was drafted. So he's still plenty young to right. uh, do the jobs that he's been doing thus far. Um, one last thing before we shut it down today. You know, we had a big call up last week. I didn't get to talk to you about it. Uh, Wander Franco called up number one prospect in all of Major League Baseball. We're currently living in a world of Major League Baseball where everyone under the age of 25 is an absolute superstar. He's off to a rocky start. And do we think that with the way these stars have come up, Tatis Jr., uh, Vladdy Jr., uh, Acuna Jr., uh, one, does Franco not having a junior at the end of his last name hurt him? <laughs> and two, does uh, two does it just lead to unrealistic expectations for these superstars getting their first call up? I think we are a little bit blinded by the Tatises, the Acunas, the Guerreros of the world, right? I mean, they've come in and they've hit the Albies. I mean, they've hit the ground running now. We look three years later, this is the kind of product we have in terms of Acuna and Tatis Jr., right? Guerrero's mm-hmm. a year behind them. Um, but here's the here's the thing that I will, I will tell everybody. Cody, you and I, when we were coming up, by the time we got to the big leagues, we were expected to be able to hold our own and contribute, right? In some way, some yes. form or fashion, even if it wasn't a starter. It's a little bit different now. Uh, at the big league level, there is far more developing than there ever was maybe seven even 10 years ago right it's just a different ball game and so because of that teams are willing to bring guys up a little earlier than maybe they would have seven years ago uh, because they have the the staffs now to develop at the big league level so I say that to say we need to kind of give Give my man Wander a, a little bit of, of grace here because um, he's up at a very young age. The big leagues is tough. <laughs> it really is a tough, tough league. We've seen the same thing with Kelnick in Seattle. They sent him down. They brought him back up. Um, I wouldn't worry about it too much. There's so much information he's gathering and that he doesn't even know he's gathering as he's has, having these at-bats and going through these struggles. I think ultimately his talent will will win out. How soon that will be? It may be next year before we start to see the real Wander Franco. If it happens this year, then maybe he's cut from the same cloth as a Tatis Jr. and 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 an Acuna Jr. and a Guerrero Jr. for that matter. Um, But I don't think there's really any reason to panic. He's he's in a tough league too in the National League East. It's not like the pitching is is suspect in that league. So. Uh, it's a learning experience. Let the man learn. He's going to struggle. Would it have been nice for him to hit the ground running and, and look like Tatis did with his rookie year? Yes. But that is, that is that's far and few between guys come up to the league and, and look like that. Yeah, and it's not even the talent level. I mean, if you can play in double A or higher, you can play in the big leagues. No question about it. Yes, the big league is the pinnacle of the pinnacle of the pinnacle, but, you know, he's going to be just fine. I don't think there's going to be anything to panic of. I mean, you look throughout the league, the majority of the guys that are all-stars are guys that went up to the big leagues for their first cup of coffee, got sent back down, up and down, over and over for about... Yeah, a year and a half until they finally found their footing and found their way. That's how it usually goes with Major League Baseball. We're just in an era right now where these young guys have come up and played out of their mind way earlier than they were expected to. Another guy I'll throw on that list is uh, is Polar Bear. I wasn't expecting Polar Bear to come out his rookie year and do what he did. I was expecting him to get sent down, up and down a couple of times until he became this guy. And 
what, what can I say? The guy came out the gate sprinting, and now he's the guy that he is now. And uh, last week, John Heyman did say the only thing he could have done without on Wander Franco is that he uh, the whole Rolls Royce pulling into the parking lot. I yeah, would venture yeah. to dis- I would actually disagree. I say that uh, if you're going to do it, I would have rather he driven the the Rolls Royce to the plate, gotten out of the Rolls Royce, <laughs> walked into the batter's box, had his at bat, get back in the Rolls Royce, and go back to the dugout. That would have been a power move, and I would have loved every second. Listen, there's nothing wrong with showing up to the yard in a Rolls Royce, but you better be playing like you deserve to be pulling up in a Rolls Royce or you open yourself up to criticism. And that's why I say he could have done without it because now he's he's already the, the biggest prospect coming up this year. Now you've pulled up in a Rolls Royce. People are expecting Rolls Royce type play and they haven't got it. You open yourself up for a little criticism. And listen, ultimately, if he doesn't mind that, they keep showing up in the Rolls Royce, brother. Keep doing your thing, and eventually your 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 confidence will will and your talent will win out. But uh, listen, I, as I said, as you as you said as well, Cody, this is not a guy that you should worry about. I think eventually he figures it out and he'll get going. But it seems like all Tampa dudes figure it out at some point. They always do. And if they don't figure it out there, they seem to figure it out somewhere else. Somewhere That's just else, the way right? Tampa, yeah. It's <laughs> the way it always goes for everybody that plays for Tampa. Uh, and you know what? It's funny you say that. You know, I'm going to look at the Wander Franco Rolls Royce thing as simply this you got to dress for the job you want. And he wants to be a guy driving a Rolls Royce. I showed up to my first big league game in a 2005 Honda Element, and I got sent down because I probably played like a guy that showed up in a 2005 Honda Element. Yeah, so we, can't, I abs- we can't have it both ways. We can't be we can't be down on guys who show up in a Honda Civic, you know, and, and dog them <laughs> and say, hey, you should be driving what big leaguers drive and then look at the Rolls Royce and say, hey, man, you need to tone it down a little bit. You're not quite there. Let, the, let, let, this, let this young man do as he pleases because I think he'll be fine when it's all said and done. Same here. Well, Tony, this has been a blast. Where can people find you, baby? You can find me at T. Gwynn Jr. You can find my man, Cody Decker, at Decker6, iTunes, Spotify. And as I said, uh, we'll catch you again next week. Absolutely, guys. Like, share, and subscribe on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. We will see you again next week. Tony, crush it this week at the Padres games, man. You have been absolutely dominating. I think you are well on your way to becoming the next big voice in Major League Baseball, man. I appreciate you, Cole. Check you next week, man. Later. Take care, guys. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.